All right, what's up, guys? Welcome back in to the Southeast Hoops Podcast. It is Monday, January the 8th, 2018. And as you guys know, it has been a little while since we've done the podcast here for SoutheastHoops.com. That's because I have been a very busy man uh, with all the written stuff that's been going up over at the website. Uh, As you know now, we have writers that are helping out as well. So it's been a lot of fun getting a lot of written stuff up. But we're going to try now with SEC Play in full swing to get back into doing these podcasts regularly. So you'll have the ones like today, where it's just me uh, going in-depth on some topics around the world of SEC basketball, and then we'll also have some guests on, as we used to, with coaches, uh, analysts, and all of that. So uh, a lot of fun. So go ahead and be sure you're subscribed to this. You can do that on iTunes. Just search for Southeast Hoops, and that way you don't miss any of these episodes. I'll also have all of them on the website uh, in SoundCloud form, and you can also listen to that on Twitter as well. Uh, straight through your Twitter app or whatever when using SoundCloud. So either way, be sure to check it out because we're going to start doing these a lot more regularly now. But let's go ahead and dive into uh, today's thoughts. And you have to start with sort of recapping what was a very interesting weekend in the world of SEC basketball. Uh, You had a lot of games that were close, and we kind of figured it would be that way. I mean, going into the day, uh, I think if you just look at the, the betting odds and all that, I'm not sure there was any game, maybe one one game, I think, that was probably maybe over four or five points separating these teams. And you look back at this slate of games, uh, there were a lot of takeaways. And certainly, as we move ahead here, there are important games on the horizon. But I thought the, the biggest takeaway for me from the weekend, and I, I put it on Twitter this morning, and I said, look, uh, you know, people are asking me who's the best team in the SEC, who is the team right now that you feel most confident about. Auburn's the number one team in the SEC right right here, right now, in my opinion. Um, and you can certainly look at overall body of work for all these teams there at the top, and I, you can make the case. I understand you can make the case for Florida. You can make the case for maybe a team like Tennessee, Kentucky. We we know how play is at the top of the conference right now and really throughout the entire conference. It's no secret. I'm the one, if you go back and listen to some of the podcasts I did over the summer, we started doing this podcast, I think it was in June, and I said from the very beginning, this is how it's going to be in the SEC this year. You're going to have a lot of teams that are very close together and on any given night, anyone can beat anyone. And we're seeing that. Texas A&M, who came into conference play as the top-ranked team in the SEC, is now 0-3. They're the only team in the conference that hasn't won a game, and we know why. They're not at full strength. If they had all their players, they, they would not be 0-3 right now. But, but still, the point remains that the number 11 team last week is the only winless team in the SEC as of this week. And so... We'll talk more about Texas A&M as the week goes along because they have a very interesting schedule coming up. Um, but going back to Auburn, Auburn is fourteen and one. They haven't lost. You know, they have one loss on the season. That loss came to Temple, a neutral court, on November the seventeenth. Since then, they have essentially pretty much decimated a lot of their competition. And I know that their non-conference schedule is not anything maybe that you could compare. 
uh, to, to others in the non-conference slate. You know, maybe teams like Alabama, Texas A&M, those kind of teams played probably tougher schedules. And I don't know the non-conference strength of schedules right off the top of my head, but Auburn still played some pretty quality teams after maybe that first little stretch of games in November. Uh, because like I said, they beat UAB, who UAB is a Conference USA title contender. They beat Middle Tennessee State, who is the best team in Conference USA. They beat Murray State at Murray State. Murray State's an OVC title contender, and winning at Murray State is very hard to do. And then they came back and just completely ran UConn off the floor. Now, we know UConn's had their struggles, but still, to do it in that fashion showed me that this Auburn team has really taken to that us-against-the-world mentality, and my goodness, have they used it to to form quite a season so far, and that's not even talking about what they've done now here in SEC play. They go win at Tennessee by 10 points. They got off, you know, Tennessee started off well in that game, but Auburn comes back, ends up beating them by double digits. They turn right around. They beat Arkansas by double digits this Saturday, and it's like, I don't know what else to tell people because going into the season, I had Auburn, you know, I said, look, they're an NCAA tournament team, and a lot of people were wondering, you know, it's like, well, how do you feel about that? Are you confident in that? Yes, 100%, I thought Auburn was an NCAA tournament team coming into the season. Now, when all the stuff started happening with the FBI investigation and all that, the Chuck Person thing, Austin Wiley, D'Angelo Purifoy, both sideline, you, you certainly start to kind of take a little bit of a step back and say, well, they still have the talent to get there. And I always thought that. And there were some people who kind of looked around and said, well, you know, Auburn's probably going to be the worst team in the SEC now, right after that happened, right after we learned uh, that Wiley and Purifoy were going to be out. They lost that exhibition game to Barry University, and it looked like everything was kind of crumbling. But but I never bought into the fact that they were suddenly going to be the, the worst team in the SEC overnight. And the reason why is the depth. And, and, you know, Auburn's always had depth, and they've had injury situations and all that the past couple of years there. Um, but they they had the depth on this team to be able to afford something like that. And you've seen guys like Anthony McLemore, uh, Deshaun Murray, who, who I pumped up as, you know, he's going to be an impact transfer. I think he's probably been better than I thought he would be at this point. I mean, he's been really, really good for them. The two freshmen, Chumo Kiki, Davion Mitchell have both been, you know, exactly what they needed to be for this team. And so that has given Bruce Pearl, this team, a boost in a lot of different areas. They have such a versatile roster, and everyone that's going out on the floor is producing. And you have the depth, you have all those guys that are producing. That equals a, a very good combination, and it's resulted in a winning combination for this Auburn team in this 14 and 1 start. And that's why I said, as of today, uh, when I did, you know, I, I do a top 25 every week. Obviously, I don't vote in the Associated Press, anything like that, but I do my own top 25 every week just so I have a good feel of where teams stand. Um, and so I had Auburn at 18. I had Florida at 20, Tennessee at 21, Kentucky at 22. And so, you know, there you go. There's your rankings, So, which tells you that as of today, I think Auburn is the best team in the SEC. They're the team playing with the most confidence, and they're simply a team I would not want to play right now because they have that chip on their shoulder. And as long as they continue to carry that, they are going to be fine because we also talk about this. You wonder what's going to happen. You know, Let's say Auburn comes out and loses a game this week, whether it's at home to Ole Miss or at Mississippi State. How does Auburn respond to adversity? That's, that's a question a lot of people are going to ask, but I would argue this. 
they've already responded to adversity uh, in what happened this offseason heading into the year, and they've responded in a big way. And so I, I don't feel to the point to where, let's say, if they lose one of these games, people are like, well, things are starting to fall off the rails. I just don't really agree with that because I think we've already seen this team fight through that adversity, and now you feel like you, you know where they stand when, when it comes to situations like that. Uh, but it will be interesting to see, like we said. Obviously, they're not going to run the table the rest of the way, but how they respond to a loss somewhere along the line will be interesting. Uh, but you, you have to give credit where it's due right now because this team has exceeded expectations, I think, that every everyone had to this point. You know, Like I said, I thought they'd be a top five, top six team in the SEC, make the NCAA tournament pretty comfortably. But I, I certainly didn't expect to be sitting here uh, on the 8th of January, calling them the best team in the SEC. But I feel like right now they are just a very tiny bit above that next tier. And so uh, it's a pretty fascinating situation going on uh, there on the plane. So uh, getting to those next couple of teams in line there, like I mentioned with my top 25, I had Florida moved back up to number 20. And, you know, I know a lot of people are going to look at that Missouri game, a very wild finish to that game. Uh, in a couple of different manners, but I still think Florida is is one of those teams that's built to make a a deep run in the NCAA tournament once they get John Igbunu back. And the biggest difference for Florida has been the play of Keith Stone, and he's starting to step up. Kavarius Hayes is blocking shots. They're getting more consistent production from those guys on the inside, and I think that's the biggest difference and why you know they had that they lost four or five there uh, into November, mid-December. They've won five in a row, and it is. Keystone has been the difference maker for me, and the way he's played, I think if he's playing like that, once Igbunu comes back, then you've got to feel pretty good if you're Florida about where you're at because you know the balance, too, is something where – Look at the Missouri game. Kayvon Allen had two points against Missouri, yet Florida still had five guys scoring double figures. That's the kind of production they need if they're going to be a a Sweet 16 and beyond type of team, an SEC regular season title contender. That's the balance. They need what they're getting from Keystone and Kavarius Hayes. As long as that continues, uh, I think Florida is going to be right back where they were earlier in the season. Uh, And like we said, once they get a guy like Igbunu back, it certainly adds a, another element. So Florida sitting in pretty good situation here. They they obviously have the best record in the SEC uh, in terms of the conference. They are now three and zero and lead the way in that regard. Eleven and four record overall. So Florida sitting in good shape to move to Tennessee. Tennessee had to have that win against Kentucky. There's there's no other way to put it. Uh, they simply had to win that game because you start zero two. They they lost a tough game at Arkansas, and I had a feeling. After a game like that, you don't really know. That was kind of a gut punch. I mean, just the way that game ended, Tennessee controlled that game the entire way. So to lose the game the way they did in overtime, that hurt. And that's why you saw that bounce back where they just couldn't match what Auburn was doing down the stretch, and that allowed Auburn to kind of gain the edge there in that game and win. So they had to beat Kentucky, and we know the success that Tennessee's had at home against Kentucky in recent years. They get another win over the Wildcats. And that should kind of lift some some of those concerns because, like I said, if you go to 0-3, then you come to Vanderbilt this week. You play Texas A&M on Saturday, which you don't know what Texas A&M team you're going to get. If it's a full-strength Texas A&M team, uh, you know, 
who has the advantage in that game? And I think that's what you're talking about. That becomes a toss-up type of situation. Uh, but now, now that you get that victory, you go into Vanderbilt playing with confidence. Vanderbilt's a place that, that Tennessee has obviously won at. You know, they, they've had a chance to, to win games in Nashville. And with the Commodores not playing particularly well, I think it's certainly another opportunity for Tennessee to get another big win. Still with this Tennessee team, I mean, their overall body of work has been very good. You see kind of what they've done. They've lost some close games to really good competition. And so they, they really needed to get that win over Kentucky, to, to get a game like that, um, because maybe it sort of lifts some of those concerns, like I said, just, just with this team overall. And so now they'll move forward and try to get back on the, the winning track here uh, in terms of the overall record. They're 1-2 in conference play. They're going to try to get back uh, above 500 there in the SEC here this week. And then going to Kentucky, who is the team I had behind uh, Tennessee, that was a that was a bit of a tough loss, I think, because Kentucky had opportunities to win that game, and they certainly started out uh, very well. And you thought that that maybe they they were starting to show something. And I thought getting that win at LSU was huge for Kentucky because it was their first true road game of the season, and to be able to get that victory against an LSU team, which we'll talk about, uh, that's that's playing better than I think anybody expected at this point was big for them because that was a tough place to play. You had a very energized crowd. Kentucky went there to Baton Rouge, won by three points. Then you come back to play at Tennessee. They get off to a good start, but they just couldn't match Tennessee's energy down the stretch. And now the Wildcats uh, will prepare for for Texas A&M tomorrow. And like I said, you don't really know what you're getting here. Uh, Kentucky's probably the favorite going into that game because you just don't know what to expect from Texas A&M. Uh, and then they'll hit the road for two straight games at Vanderbilt at Kentucky, excuse me, at Vanderbilt at South Carolina. So the Wildcats are, are still obviously in fine shape. They're 2-1 and one in the SEC, and that Texas A&M game does not look as dangerous as it did three weeks ago. Um, now, and sort of not really sure what to expect. Now, Texas A&M could have everyone back. You don't really know. I think we, we've heard so many times, this guy could be a game-time decision. You don't really know. Robert Williams set out with an illness uh, against LSU, and that hurt, obviously, because LSU goes in, gets the buzzer beater. At, at the buzzer, you know, they get the they get the win at the buzzer. Tremont Waters, another unbelievable play in a long line of ones he's had this year. Uh, so the, the Aggies certainly need a win, and that, that's going to be an intriguing game tomorrow night in Lexington. Looking at everything else that happened, the biggest, I think the biggest surprise to me was certainly Georgia just manhandling Alabama the way that they did. Um, you guys know I do my daily predictions up on southeasthoops.com, my written predictions. I picked Alabama to win that game. I thought they would come out focused. I thought that after the, the Vandy loss, the way they played early on in that Vandy game, they just looked like a team that was going through the motions. I thought they'd come out with a lot more energy, a lot more sort of focused determination, that kind of thing. Uh, that didn't happen. And so Georgia just steamrolled them. They, they win by 19 points. Honestly, I, it may have felt like a game at times that, that wasn't that close. And I think Alabama certainly has some things to figure out here uh, because they have got to start playing consistent. And somebody asked me on Twitter, What's the deal? You know, what's the problem here? And and I said, I, I don't think you can underestimate the Braxton Key injury because coming into the season, 
we, you know, or at least I did, I expect him to be the second most impactful player on that team behind Colin Sexton based on what he did last year. I mean, he was the driving force for that team last year. He did a lot of things well, and he simply hasn't been the same. I mean, even in, you know, he missed a lot of time due to injury. Even when he's been back, he hasn't been the same player. And so I think that's really sort of sort of hurt a bit because that takes away an element where you have a guy that can score, rebound, uh, you know, do a lot of different things, like I said, very well. And not having that with what is already a very inexperienced team, it just doesn't help. And Alabama's inexperience is showing right now in a lot of different situations. We see it sometimes in close games, key situations throughout the year, but they're just not coming out with that focus that you need. And I think that's where the experience factor comes into play. And like I've mentioned many times, you're talking about the fourth least experienced team in the country. Kentucky's the least experienced. Duke's right behind them, then Robert Morris, then Alabama, uh, according to Ken Palm. So you're talking about a team that's already kind of behind uh, a boulder a bit just in terms of what they're trying to do with that inexperience. And especially when you go on the road in the SEC, you can't afford to get off to the kind of start that they had against Vanderbilt and Georgia, and it's cost them in two games. Obviously, they were able to kind of rebound against Vanderbilt and play a little bit better in the second half. They had a very good stretch where they had a chance to win the game late. But at Georgia, they they just never got there. And I think you have to give Georgia credit for that too. I mean, Georgia's defense has been the strength all year long. And with with Yontay Maton on that roster, I mean, that's, that's a tough place to play as it is. And you're already going in knowing it's going to be a challenge. But to play like Alabama did, where you get 23 points from Colin Sexton, and you don't really get much of anything else elsewhere. And that's a problem right now. Um, but the Tide will have a chance to rebound on Tuesday against a South Carolina team that is not great offensively right now. And so that, that's a huge game. I mean, that that is. We, we talk about must-wins, and I know it's maybe overused sometimes, but that's a must-win game for Alabama. Uh, they have to win that game against South Carolina because, you know, you should be the better overall team in that game. Three of the next four are at home. Uh, you know, even to take that a step further, five of the next seven are at home for the Crimson Tide. So they still have an opportunity to turn it around, but it, they've got to start showing consistency, and they've got to come out focused every single game. You can't afford to get off to a, a bad start in this league because you got too many good teams, and it's just so hard to kind of overcome that. Uh, so that, that's got to get sort of turned around. Ole Miss got a win over Mississippi State. I thought it was a game that Mississippi State sort of – listen, they just got to a point to where – Ole Miss made more plays down the stretch. And, you know, it's funny because we were talking about Ole Miss's struggles in the non-conference. Well, here they are, 2-1 and one in conference play. Uh, you know, they're, they're now starting off here. They lost that game at Georgia, and they will go to Auburn next here on Tuesday. But they made plays. And Mississippi State, that's a tough loss because I, th- I thought it was a situation where you're coming off that win over Arkansas. You're feeling really good about yourselves. And you pretty much control that game uh, into the second half, but then you just get outplayed in the final 10 minutes or so. I mean, they just got they, – they couldn't stop Ole Miss. And Ole Miss made the plays, and that was a, a big win for the Rebels. They needed that because, like I said, you talk about their upcoming schedule, and it's, uh, it's not easy. At Auburn, at home against Florida, at Texas A&M, at Arkansas – so that's three of the next four for Ole Miss are on the road, and it's at Auburn, Texas A&M, and Arkansas with, with Florida at home in there. So 
it's a tough stretch for the Rebels, and I think that Andy Kennedy uh, is definitely, you know, they've got their work cut out for them there in that game or in that stretch because it's just a situation where, you know, they needed that Mississippi State win because it puts them at least in 2-1 and one right now knowing what's ahead. Uh, and then the other game, South Carolina, Vanderbilt. South Carolina, when, when Chris Silva's on the floor, they can win games. And I think that's the key is he has to play. When he gets in foul trouble, they really struggle. And you look at what he did against Vanderbilt. Goes for a career-high 27 points. Felt like a game where he could really succeed. He only had one foul, and that's important. Uh, and like I said, it felt like a game where he could thrive because Vanderbilt's inexperience inside. And Silva certainly had an excellent day. Had eight rebounds. Uh, like I said, the 27 points went 9 of 15 from the field. So it was a huge win for South Carolina just because, like we said, I I think it's going to be a situation where South Carolina's fighting some offensive inconsistencies all year long, especially if Silva's in foul trouble and he's not on the floor. Uh, So so they kind of needed a win like that against the Vanderbilt team that's still – they got the win over Alabama, and that was certainly huge now when you think about, you know, losing that game at South Carolina because then you're talking about maybe starting 0-3 and you can't really afford that. But Vanderbilt just just can't put it all together, I think, on on a game-by-game basis right now. And so South Carolina gets that win. The Gamecocks will now go to Alabama and Georgia this week, which are going to be tough. And I think South Carolina's upcoming slate in general is, when you compare it to maybe some of the others, it is rough. Uh, They're at Alabama. They're at Georgia. They're at home against Kentucky, home against Tennessee, at Florida, at home against Texas Tech. And we know how well Texas Tech's playing. I mean, they're a top-five team in my eyes right now. So South Carolina's upcoming stretch is not easy. So that'll wrap up uh, today's episode of the Southeast Hoops podcast. I I mentioned earlier, going to try to start doing this a bit more regularly, uh, just with some general thoughts on what's going on around the league. I'll have some interviews as well, like I mentioned, with coaches, analysts all around the SEC. And we will continue to kind of do this a bit and let you guys take it where you want. If you have questions, be sure to send them in. You can just throw them to me on Twitter. Uh, That way I'll I'll sometimes answer a question or two on each podcast. You can do that. Throw them over to me, and we'll talk about them. Also, college basketball fans and SEC fans, as you already know, uh, host a weekend radio show in Nashville called Forever March on WNSR. Uh, you can follow along. It's every week, every Saturday from 10 to 12. We talk about the day's action in college basketball, and it's always a lot of fun. We have guests on, interviews, all that stuff to get you ready for a big Saturday, which every Saturday in the SEC uh, will be big. And so uh, it's a lot of fun. Be sure to tune in. You can watch through Periscope. You can call in with your questions, however you want to do it. Uh, it's a lot of fun. So be sure to stay tuned to that as well. It gives you another audio resource for SEC basketball. Uh, And thank you, as always, for your support of SoutheastHoops.com. We try to be sort of the best resource you can find for SEC basketball, and I hope you'll continue to visit the website, listen to the podcast, so be sure you're subscribed. So thanks, as always, for listening, and I will talk to you guys next time.